0: Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast.
1: Him ...as our local meteorologist for KSMB uh, NBC. Although we'd all like to either thank him or curse him for the rain today, <laughs> he's here to talk to us about the programs he's developed which enrich the education of children in our community. Each year, Kevin visits over 100 schools giving presentations on the weather what it's like to be an author, and the importance of reading. Kevin has been responsible for building the Neighborhood Weather Network which has placed working weather stations and provided curriculum in meteorolo- meteorology to over a hundred schools. He is an author of the award-winning Deputy Dorkface series. It provides funny adventures with subtle life lessons to young children. He's an avid tennis enthusiast, and to add a little excitement to his life, looks forward each spring to chasing tornadoes. Kevin is married to Terry, who is CEO of the Grant a Gift Autism Foundation, and they are parents to a daughter, Taylor, and a son, Colin. Please put your hands together and welcome Kevin Jamison to our wonderful club.
2: no freebies you have to watch <laughs> New freebies thank you very much for having me out it's a pleasure to be here uh, as first of all as a member who can never make any of the meetings of the Summerlin Club I will not be telling them that this is the greatest club on the entire planet <laughs> and in all of my uh, visits to rotary clubs all over the place this is the first time I've seen one turn into a full-fledged disco you guys were getting down that's <laughs> impressive now, if I could begin with something that's uh, near and dear to my heart, if I can beg your indulgence just for a second, and that is, for those of us who do the weather, once in a while, we're wrong. Now, I know what you're saying. <laughs> you're saying, Kevin, say it isn't so, but I uh, just want you to remember when you walk outside, do not, do not refer to that as rain. Please refer to that as forecast verification. <laughs> that's what we're going with. And so when I spoke with Tina a couple of months ago, um... Uh, and um, uh, we talked about this visit, uh, we talked about the literacy efforts that the Rotary is so famous for. I feel very honored that uh, many years ago I received uh, a Paul Harris Community Recognition Award for Literacy in School. I think it's very important we're at a point now where reading something other than text takes a back seat, writing something other than LOL, BRB and everything else takes a back seat, so what happened was, I was visiting these schools, being invited to not only do weather presentations, but also read Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, to the point where I had that book memorized. And I thought, well, I've been, I made up these stories to tell my kids bedtime stories when they were young. Let me see if I can get one published. And I came up with a silly name, Deputy Dorkface, because every time I said that, my kids would laugh. Who Dorkface, <laughs> they'd be laughing at his name. And I consider them nonfiction turned fiction. I take something that my kids either did or still do that I think were funny, and I blow them up from there. For example, we have How Stinkville Got Cleaned Up. This is the story about a town where nobody takes a bath. (laughs) We follow that up with one that might apply to some of you even as adults, How Sugaropolis Got Dessert Back. This is the story about a town where the kids are too full for dinner, but they always have room for dessert. So the deputy bans dessert, the kids protest, a giant food fight breaks out, and they have to negotiate better eating from the jailhouse conference room. We have How Manorland Got Its Manners Back Kids versus Parents, for who has the best manners. Turns into a little game show. And the most recent, How Trutherton Got Its Honesty Back. This one is uh, very uh, uh, applicable now because kids are running for student council and they're promising to make recess 45 minutes longer they're promising no more homework. So the deputy bans honesty, the teachers aren't being honest, the principal isn't being honest, i have got to figure out how to bring honesty back that it's probably not a bad thing. So I visit the schools, I do a little warm-up, get them all excited. Uh, we do a little um, uh, uh, exercise on the importance of reading, to come up with one job that doesn't require reading. And at every school, I get the standard uh, baseball player, Trash Man, McDonald's, but I've been fortunate now to do this in 13 states, including beautiful Brentwood, California, just one hour east of San Francisco with a very charming downtown area. I had a couple of uh, nice dinners down there, but enough of a plug for you. So uh, I, I, I get all these same, you know, firefighter, everything, all these jobs, these kids, their brains are circulating to try to come up with one job that doesn't require reading, and I had one young fourth grader, here in Las Vegas, you could see the smirk on his face, raised his hand and said, pole dancer. <laughs> 13 states, and I haven't gotten that reply anywhere else except right here in Las Vegas. So I I actually walk around the room. I I have these stories memorized. They were bedtime stories for my kids. So I tell the story rather than read it and take them along with the illustrations. And then we take them on a journey through the publishing process. And if all this works well, then when they go back to their classes, their teachers sort of expand on what I did. They start storyboarding and working on their own stories. So I talk to them about how it began as a bedtime story. Show them a picture of my kids when they were younger. I do have to give them some tough love. Because, you know, these are elementary school students and I have to tell them that these are my kids when they were younger, but now that they are in their 20s, I learned something, uh, something happens to all kids, it's going to happen to them as well. I have to tell them that once they go to high school, they will no longer be cute. <laughs> Tough love. So I show them how we, uh, we uh, uh, outline and show them the the beginning, the middle, the plot resolution from the outline. I take the story to the elementary school near my house and I try it out sort of uh, focus groups, young focus groups, long before we have illustrations with all different grade levels. I get their input. I'll make some changes based on ideas from some of these kids. I write it out. I'm feeling pretty confident because by this time it's been kid tested. So imagine my surprise when I get a page back from the publisher that looks like a homework assignment. Now they don't all look like this, very few of them do, but on this page the publisher wanted my writing to be more active, less passive. And then up on top they start putting in the instruction for the illustrators. It doesn't hurt my feelings, it makes the story better. These editors have decades of experience, so I take exactly what they did, then cross out their stuff and put my own stuff in. And we go back and forth 30 to 40 times until we get the story exactly the way we like it. And I impress 30 to 40 times because a lot of these kids don't appreciate when a teacher makes corrections on their papers. Then I have a huge problem, and that is I have absolutely zero artistic talent whatsoever. So we had to find an illustrator, and we looked at 150 different illustrators until we saw this. And this is my kind of humor, because look at the cow freaking out when he sees his cousin as a slab of steak. There's a pig passing out when he sees ham in the butcher's cabinet. So who is this guy? I wanted this guy to illustrate the book and his name is Eldon Doty and the publisher called his agent in New York City and they turned us down. I'm like, oh, man, I was heartbroken. I really wanted Eldon. So we tried again, turned us down again. So we found somebody in Colorado, very talented, I just didn't think he was as talented as Eldon. So I said, hold on. Poor shot at trying to contact Eldon without his agent. I've got nothing to lose. I mean, worst thing that could happen is he tells me no. So I did a little research on Mr. Eldon Doty, Mr. Big Time Fancy Illustrator with that New York City agent. And it turns out, he lives in Sun City Anthem. <laughs> so I called him up. I went to his house. I stalked him. He's a very nice man. He's been illustrating for 40 years. And I left him a copy of the story. After, and we had a great conversation. I said, now, do not read this while I'm here. You don't eat while the chef's in the kitchen. Wait till I'm gone. Check this out. You want to be part of it. I'd love to have you involved. But if you're too busy, I completely understand. Don't worry about it. It's nice meeting you. And, man, I'm just really impressed with your work. Two days later, he emailed me this sketch. The first sketch on what he thought Deputy Dorkface ought to look like. And I thought, cool. For the publisher, publisher called his agent. They signed a contract. And within one week, he did all 22 illustrations that appeared in Stink Film. But just like we added the story, we have to edit the illustrations as well. In Stinkville, the kids come across the Stinko Meter, provided by the Stinkville Chamber of Commerce and Air Quality Department. And originally on the sign, I wrote, really odorous. And I started thinking, how many of my good friends at these schools have ever gone home and said, oh, mom, dad? Today at school, it was a tad odorous. Never used that word the rest of their lives. So I changed that to really reeking. I changed where wear your gas mask. But I could change the words, there's something wrong with the illustration. And at this point, the presentation gets very interactive. The kids have to tell us what's wrong with the illustration. Now, I can let you try to do it, but I have to tell you, adults stink at this game. But there is something that's physically impossible with this illustration. Does anybody want to guess? Yeah, you you don't do very well. But in this story, in this case, the brown horse has no head. You cannot ride a horse without a head. So we had to go back to Mr. Doty and ask him, can you please give Pegasus his head back? So this is what he did, and therefore, Pegasus has a head. And that's part of the whole editing process. Show them how when they could finally take a bath, uh, everybody in the town jumped into the lake. The story read dogs, cats, hamsters, see the little hamster up there, and horses joined their owners so they could bathe too. So I called Mr. Doty. I said, this is awesome. It's fun, active, visual. But you know, when I was writing it out, I was picturing having a horse jumping in the lake. And he said, Kevin, that's a great idea, but you're just the author. <laughs> what that means, the author can't tell the illustrator what to do. He signs a contract with a publisher. Author signs a contract with a publisher. publisher doesn't, or the illustrator doesn't want to be hounded by 30 people. So in order for me to get the hamster changed to a horse, I had to call the publisher, who called the editor, who called the art director, who called Mr. Doty and said, Kevin would like to have a horse. And he said... Hmm, that's a good idea. And that's how the hamster turned into the world-famous cannonballing horse. And that's how it appears in the book. And all this, throughout the whole process, the kids are guessing what's changed and why it changed. And um, sometimes the changes are large, like in this page, uh, when this young man was violating his parents' rules and playing soccer in the house. We changed it from right to left to left to right. Other changes are much smaller. In this page, uh, in the book, we made several changes, no more, no parking sign. In fact, here's what they see in the book, and then I show them the original illustration, and they have to guess what changed. So they're pretty good about coming up with a lot of these things and the fact that this number changed, and that's pretty perceptive. And the reason why this number on this door changed is because I made this Terry's Genuine Jewelry. Terry is my wife's name. We changed the number to 1789 because that is our wedding anniversary. Yes, yes. And people can't believe that we've been married since 1789. <laughs> so what's amazing about it is they said it wouldn't last. And we got married on a stormy day, like a Valentine's Day. So, And actually had tornadoes. So that's supposed to be good luck. And so we go through the whole process on the book that I have shared with them. And we always end with something that's really challenging. For example, on this page, they can guess that the rainbow wasn't there. Here's actually what they see in the book. But they usually don't guess what the fog here is 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 the fog was uh, displaced, and the reason I'll point out on that one is because Mr. Doty explained to us that that's a really fancy artist trick, and they're all aspiring illustrators. All these kids love to illustrate and draw, and I told them what he said was, it gives the scene depth, makes it look bigger and broader, and that could be a fancy artist trick, but we want it to be sharper and crisper, so it jumped off the page. Plus, you cannot have a rainbow if there's no rain, and any book that I'm involved in is going to be meteorologically correct. So we had to get rid of the rainbow as well, and some of them are so minute, and this is usually how we end, that the kids usually have to guess, and I'll tell them on this page one thing changed, one thing moved. It's up to them to guess what it is, and they've never guessed it, and for good reason because it's very hard. But if you look at the dog chasing this young lady down the street who was uh, busted for being dishonest when she told her mom she didn't feel well and shouldn't go to school, Uh, the dog's chasing this young lady. I wasn't sure what the dog was looking at. Young ladies running down the street or hospital gowns flapping in the wind. So I, all we did was move the dog's eyes. Watch the dog's eyes. Three, two, one, boof. That's all we did. Never been guessed. And I, you know, I don't want people to think I was trying to put something over on them. And so we take them on that journey through the editing process. And at the conclusion for the intermediate students, I don't do this for the K through two, I usually give two presentations: K through two and a three through five. So for the older guys, third through fifth, we will show them how much fun they can have writing their own story. We'll create a book right then and there based on lies they've told their parents. They are so forthcoming when mom and dad aren't there. It's amazing the things that we learn about those kids, and we turn into a big wild story. And uh, and I've partnered and visited a lot of these schools. Uh, with Rotary Clubs, including Summerlin, downtown, North Las Vegas, and the Southwest as well, uh, and some of the at risk schools. And the Rotary Club has bought some of the books that we put in the schools, and then I go give the presentation. I never charge for the presentations. And then after I visit the school, I love this because some of the schools still impress upon their kids to write thank you notes to, to a visitor. Yeah, aw, they're very cute. And I want to share a couple of them with you. I hope you find them as poignant as I did, because I really enjoy these. Every time I get a stack of those thank you notes, I can't wait to go through them. They're just very touching, and I hope you find them as touching as I did. Dear Kevin Janison, you are my favorite weatherman. I watch you every night. I'm sorry, but I forgot what time you come on. (laughs) Dear Mr. Janison, you're my favorite meteorologist. Well, I haven't met any others, but if I did, you'd be on top. <laughs> when I go and do the weather presentation, I show a video that's got tornadoes and hurricane floods, lightning, things that happen in Las Vegas, people driving through the flood, and that prompted this from a third grader. Dear Mr. Janison, thank you for coming to our great room and teaching us how we won't turn out to be boneheads. <laughs> then I show, I get a video of the kids and put them on the news, and I got this one time, which I thought was pretty cool. Dear Mr. Janison, thank you for putting me on TV. Can you put us on a kid's show next time? I'm not a fan of the news. <laughs> Dear Mr. Janison, I think you're cool for an adult. <laughs> Some of the video I show of weather has uh, 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 old home video of lightning. I've got a lightning strike hitting the top of the stratosphere tower and then bouncing to the valley. Uh, and it's time stamped, I think like 1996. After I show that, I receive this. Dear Kevin Janison, I can't believe there were thunderstorms that long ago. <laughs> Dear Kevin Janison, I read one of your books. It was funny. In fact, your book was historical. <laughs> this one has a uh, nice artist drawing. I'll have to show you the picture, too. Yep. Yeah. Nice, beautiful Crayola drawing. Dear Kevin Janison, yeah, very cute. Yeah. I wish you could spend the night at my house. (laughs) Dear Mr. Janison, thanks for coming to our school. I wasn't really paying attention to what you were saying, but I'm sure it must have been interesting. (laughs) Dear Mr. Janison, thank you for coming to our school. You were as smart as Einstein. I wish I was in school that day to hear what you were talking about. Another one with a great uh, drawing here. Yeah. Dear Mr. Janison, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, a weather reporter girl. <laughs> Some of, sometimes they're short for words that prompted this. Dear Mr. Janison, that's all it says. <laughs> Not to be confused with my friend here who sent me 14 pages. <laughs> Goes on and on. Dear Mr. Weatherman. You look like a big star, and you're a good man. You are nice and handsome. I love all your acting on Channel 3 News. I like your white neat shirt that you don't dirty up ever. (laughs) This goes on for 14 pages. (laughs) Dear Mr. Janison, I'd like to thank you for coming out to our school. I learned a little more than I already knew. Not to say it was pointless, but thank you, and I hope to see you again. (laughs) Eighth grader at Becker Middle School, a little concerned with the water up there. You're not too far away, so you should be concerned too. Because, dear Mr. Janison, I was totally enticed with tornadoes for most of my self conscious young life. <laughs> this one re- requires a little thinking. Dear Mr. Janison, my favorite cloud is Celsius. after I showed the video with the tornadoes, the hurricanes, the lightning, I got this. Dear Mr. Janison, something I will do in the future will be to never go outside. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I work hard. I'm building up a sweat, and so we're trying to make this as fun and memorable for the kids. Uh, and, and, and I know I make some of them memorable because I got this great drawing on the paper. And inside, all it says is, what's your name? And one of my favorites, i like to save this for last, also a beautiful drawing out here, second grader. Dear Kevin Janison, thank you for letting us be on TV. My grandpa said, I look beautiful. I told him to take his pills, and then we all went to sleep. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. I love getting these. These are awesome. So do we have time for any questions? I didn't leave enough time. OK. Uh, if anybody any questions about the books, or about weather, about broadcasting, but no freebies on the forecast. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad when your writer is a third grader. <laughs> yes, sir? Did you write the 14 pages? Yes. No, my books are actually 32 pages. I don't stop at 14, buddy. Yes? Do you interact with any of the civilian weather watchers or skywarns? The- Not as much as we used to because now we have the weather stations all over the place. In the old days, we relied on them. We needed ground support for what's going on. Hey, it looks like this. What are you seeing over there? Uh, But now we've got these weather stations all over the place. Uh, So I do occasionally call them, but pretty much we can get real-time information a lot more quickly. Yes. Can you describe to me what a lenticular cloud is and what causes it? I love those lenticular clouds, and we get them a lot here. Those are the clouds that look like flying saucers. We had a few yesterday that develop over the mountain. just need the right weather ingredients. Certain amount of moisture in the air and winds going up one side of the mountain, down the other, it sort of sculpts the cloud. And if you watch them over a l- and I'll show them in time-lapse sometimes when we have some good ones. They don't move. They just sit there spinning over the mountain. And and, uh, some of the best ones have been over the taller mountains like Mount Rainier or Denali in Alaska. But we get some pretty good ones over the Spring Mountains, especially as we get towards springtime. We had a couple good ones yesterday with all the other clouds that sort of got blocked out. Yes, sir? I have a question on El Nino. El Nino. Nino Yes, El Nino and today's rain. Anybody who has been in Las Vegas for a long time knows we have these wet winters and we could always, uh, always. Rely on them being during an El Nino year. What happens is the sea surface temperature rises. It might only be a degree and a half or two degrees, and that's an extreme El Nino. But that alters the pattern of the jet stream. So instead of the storms going up in the Pacific Northwest and Western Canada, they come into Southern California and Southern Nevada. And some of these El Nino years, we've had three inches of rain in a month. So while everybody's saying, "Oh, I don't remember this rain," well, yeah, we've had we've had storms like this, but. I mean I can only speak for myself, I'm getting up there in years so I don't remember as well. And last year was not an El Nino year and we had a January day with one inch of rain. But we are in an El Nino year so we've seen quite a series of unusual weather. The coldest winter and we really have no reason to complain (laughs) but the coldest winter since 03-04. Yes? Uh, Do you keep track on the the percentage of accuracy and errors and how far out can what are you, you getting go? at?
1: <laughs> I mean, do you keep a percentage of uh, of hits and misses?
2: Uh, well, we do the three-degree guarantee, in which every night we're within three degrees, we give a hundred dollars to a charity. And so I can tell you that in the last six months, we've had we've had two where we've missed by four, and they're usually on days like this, where it's tough to gauge the thickness of the clouds, how it's going to impact the temperature in the afternoon when you'd have maximum heating. So yeah, we do all right. I mean, we don't have a a scorecard in there other than that three degree guarantee. But I can tell you the accuracy of forecasting has come a long way because it's based on historical data. We have computers that show how the weather features, when they've been in similar positions, have behaved historically and can forecast based on that. Plus, what happens if that storm gets a little stronger or a little weaker so we can see the range or the variables? So yes, I mean, and the second part of your question So we're still pretty good 7 to 10 days out but for example this rain today when I was looking at it last week was going to come in Wednesday afternoon. So it came in Thursday morning so it must have stopped in Barstow for a burger or something. (laughs) Yes sir. Here I'll come over here with a mic. I
1: just going to ask you uh,
2: where do you receive the data for your forecast besides if you do it locally or you're bringing in stuff with the National Weather Service? Uh, we have several different models uh, that come through that the National Weather Service looks at as well. Uh, that forecast, as I was discussing, where uh, historically the weather features have gone after they've been in similar positions. Everybody looks at the same data. I go tornado chasing. I can be out there with 10 meteorologists. We can look at the same data, and we all want to go to different spots. Uh, it's, really, it's really funny how that works. So we can broad brush it. It is Las Vegas, after all. Uh, so we don't have as many events like this. I can usually remember the date of events like this that we have, but, uh, but there are several different models. And, and it's a good question because if you remember Superstorm Sandy a few years ago uh, that just pounded New Jersey and New York City, there were six models that showed that storm curving around and going out to sea. One model, the European model, had it doing exactly what it did and everybody discounted it because it was the outlier. And so that does happen. So when we whiff on a forecast, a lot of times you have one forecast model pointing in one direction, the others are going the other way, so we have more confidence in those.
0: Okay, we got one last question over here. Over here. Uh,
2: I, my question is this, do you believe in global warming? <laughs> Did I tell you? <laughs> do I believe in global warming? So before I answer that question, it's going to be about a three-minute answer. Do we have three minutes? Be- before I answer that question, let me take a quick survey. Do, how many people in this room feel that climate change is real? We must do something about it. And this is a certain concern for our planet. How many people believe it might be a natural cycle? Might not be a big deal. It's being blown up. About half and half. Interesting. Okay. So since I only have about a minute, let me just say this. First of all, the question, do you believe, is not a correct question because it's not Santa Claus. You don't get a choice whether you believe or not believe in it. It's happening. So now the the discussion, the dispute is whether or not this is man-made or whether it's a natural cycle. And I just, I'm amazed at how this has gone off into such crazy political circles. Because we know for a fact that if you put any type of gas and water vapor, which is a cloud, is considered a gas, in the atmosphere, it keeps the overnight lows warmer, which rises the mean temperature, the average temperature between the high and the low, which factors into the warming temperature. There is no question that we're putting stuff in the air that can cause this. And I guess it comes down to me to very simply, I mean, this is, This is not even up for debate as far as I'm concerned, but can I say to the degree, can I not say that yes, we're putting stuff in the air and there's a natural cycle of the earth that could be compounding it? I can't say here with any confidence and say absolutely not or absolutely yes. But what I do say is this, we know that happens, why not clean it up? I mean at the end of the day, all we're looking to do is clean up our air and clean up our water and I have never had one person other than Exxon because because Exxon won't make a gazillion dollars every quarter, be against that and so I just I'm just of the belief that I think we should clean our environment and actually not see the air that we're breathing and at the end of the day whether it's right or wrong to me we live on a better planet and save that for our kids too it does
0: well said um, before you uh, leave I'd like to present you with the share what you can award and so we give this to all of our speakers. And we are going to feed a needy veteran with a hot meal in your name. So thank you so much for coming. Very great, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, I have one more song. Yeah, no. (laughs) As we leave here today, let's go forth into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all persons, love and serve each other. Rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Be people of action, be the inspiration. Meeting adjourned. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at LasVegasRotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.